This is the Alarm Entourage. The unmistakable sound of air conditioning on a very hot and sweaty bandwagon. Welcome to another episode of the Alarm Entourage podcast. We finally got everything sorted last night. And the final member of the band turned up. I'm just going to step down the steps and have a word with him. James Stevenson has joined the gang. Hey, James, how are you, boy? Hello, mate. How was the journey over for you? You came in from not, LA? Not as bad as yours. Yeah. I hear. Well, the My ju- flight was two hours delayed, but at least not six hours delayed. You lot waiting for the bus. Yeah, yeah. The, the flight was all right. It was just the delay with the bus. Yeah, that what was class the were you in? Yeah, we came uh, premium economy. Yeah, I was in first class. Yeah, oh, get it. So, sorry about that. <laughs> So you're happy? Yeah, I was happy, except they told me there was a meal on the plane, so I didn't eat on purpose at the terminal building, and then there wasn't anything. Oh But then I was starving, dear. and Jules wouldn't let me eat any food. So how long was the flight from LA to uh, Nashville? It was, well, I had two flights, I had to connect in DFW, so it was all together about Hang six hours. Hang on, wait, hours. what's DFW? Dallas-Fort Worth, okay, dear boy. Okay, right, sorry. Welshman. You need, to, you need to keep up with the American lingo. Yeah, sorry, darling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, nice to have you with us. Uh, thank you. We are Quarate. Nice to be here. Jules, let's get away from the noise of the generator let's on this that. truck. Let's go somewhere us. quiet. Are you happy, darling? I'm very happy this morning. Um, I am so delighted to be back on the bandwagon. You um, love it, don't you? I love it. <laughs> camping, rock and roll camping with my besties. Yeah, and you're uh, very organised. I mean, you've been going around clearing stuff away, setting the rules. This is good early on. I'm very bossy. I've learned. But yeah. Hanging out with men, I love hanging out with men, but I do think to get the best out of them, you need to be bossy. And I started out at 19 not being quite as bossy because I was young, and then now at the grand old age of 52, super bossy. You don't <laughs> care. Just boss them around all day. James especially. Being annoying. <laughs> being annoying again. Oh, the James most annoying Lund. person I know. I have to say, considering there are over 27 people on that bus hey, so yeah, far. Yeah, this is yeah. just the first day. Yeah, man. Let's see how you feel on September the 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> or the 7th, even. Can or I even just, tomorrow. Can I say at this point that James loves it, and James loves being bossed about. Yeah? So... We also have duties on the bus, which we'll go into further in detail further on at future podcasts. Duties? We have bus duties, and we'll have a bus duty for you, Gareth. Oh, heck. And it's most important that you stick to your duties and yes, get them ma'am. completed, and I shall come round and check. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I'm Sounds reporting great. to the, the, the sergeants. slave away doing chores, and Jules comes around and inspects and tells us off. <laughs> Wow. Very simple. It really is a military operation. I said it was like D-Day and you're the colonel in charge. Uh, Listen, let me explain where we are now. We'll come back to the bus and stuff later on. But yeah, we're all sorted. We've got a vehicle. We've got a trailer. Slightly dented, but everything else in the trailer is more or less all right, isn't it? It could have been a lot worse. I think that's the thing. And And I think touring is very good for character building. You have to learn not to panic. Learn to stay calm. And I, did, I wrote a little blog yesterday on Facebook. And I think I'm really proud of everyone for staying calm, upbeat. We, oh, the, we, we the, can't have moaners on this, on this no, tour. In the this vibe group. was hilarious at the airport last night. We were just resigned <laughs> to this long, long wait. It was Resignation, great. Resignation, yeah. Yeah. Very British and very polite about the whole thing. Yes. And um, onwards and upwards today. We're yeah. now heading into... Um, Actually, I've been in here. We're heading into Pearl to get all Smiley's bits and bobs, all his drum bits and bobs. And uh, it's an exciting time for Smiley. He he loves coming in and 
and getting restocked, I think. So maybe we'll hear him having a little play. Hey, Smiley, how are you feeling about going in now to, to Pearl? Tell us how you're feeling right I now. I feel like Charlie and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Because like Willy Wonka is in there with loads of drums. And, and they're going to give me them. There you go. There it is in a nutshell. Christmas I, Day. I, I seldom regret that this is an audio podcast. You know, but there are occasions. It's not just the look in your face. It's the swagger in your walk. It's that cockney, that cockney toes out, knees out walk. I've got a great walk. That you're He's walking ahead of us now. He wouldn't stop a pig in a gate with those bandy legs, and he is swaggering, and. He's excited, Mike, isn't he? He's very excited. It's like uh, all his Christmas days arrived in one today. It's a, uh, heaven for a drummer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good. All right, well, listen, we'll, we'll get in and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll hear Smiley working his way through probably every single hittable object at Pearl's HQ in a moment. You know what? For the headquarters of Pearl Drums, this is a very quiet facility. I'm in a room about the size of a good-sized aircraft hangar. It's sort of Walmart, but full of things that you hit. There are racks and racks of shelving around me. Uh, There are boxes on every single one of those shelves, all with pearl written on them Uh, this is actually pearl's u.s headquarters i've just come round the corner and realized i've only seen about a third of it it's actually three times bigger than i thought it was it's enormous there was a huge kit uh, on display just as we came in that had two kick drums and about 20 tons and enormous racks for some sort of prog rock band to play and I dare say that isn't the kit that Smiley's having uh, Smiley's here, he's got his boxes Smiley, what's in the kit then, what have you ordered, what, what's, what, what's here? Um, well these are uh, Pearl Reference and they are more importantly Chrome Chrome? Yes indeed nice. unless well, I got that wrong as well That <laughs> takes they, me they actually, back they, they heard me say green they should be <laughs> in, my, in my dodgy Cockney accent. That takes me back because the original alarm drum kit was a Chrome Ludwig kit. Yes. So Chrome yes. is very, chrome, very roots. And apparently the other day when we had some photos taken, it was really sunny, so I had sunglasses on, and Mike thought that was me making homage to Nigel. Uh, it wasn't. It's was because I was squinting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? so, yeah. John, hello. Thank you for having us. John yeah, Farquhar, am I saying your name right? Farquharson, yeah. Farquharson, not Farquhar, Farquharson. <laughs> uh, you, you, do you deal with um, musicians? What's your job here? You're sort of yeah, client so, liaison. Yep. For Pearl, I'm the artist relations manager, so that's for all the drum set and hand percussion artists. Um, so just kind of their liaison between the company and, and whatever they're doing on the road. And does Smiley give you a lot of things to worry about? Is he a Never. complicated drummer? <laughs> no, there's, there's certainly much more complicated guys than Smiley. Um, he's a pleasure to work with and um, definitely very low maintenance. And he's opening his brand new kit right now. Go on, give me a bit of background. Pearl started where, when, do you know? So Pearl is a Japanese company. Um, we started off like importing other like, like music stands and, and some little hardware bits and pieces. Um, they kind of graduated into drums in the 60s. 
Um, they actually made drums for a lot of different um, smaller like manufacturers. Um, or not manufacturers rather, but like uh, like drum kits that were different brands, right? So it kind of started there and it, it graduated into the Pearl name and we've been making drums since since the 60s. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a name that's synonymous with rock and roll drumming and, and jazz and, and funk and reggae. You know, you'll always see a Pearl kit somewhere. Uh, yep. You know, I think even people who don't even know music brands will recognize Pearl in the way that you recognize Gibson, Fender, you know, you're, you're a Grundy mark, is that right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely one of the most recognizable drum brands in the world. Yeah. Um, they kind of changed change the game uh, a little bit, you know, when, when everything started to drop. I used to be a roadie a long time oh, ago, yeah? and I always remember Pearl stands were twice as strong as anything else, mm-hmm. and twice the girth as well, you know. Absolutely. Solid. Solid kit, and if you're traveling it around the world, you need something that, that's that's usable. It's engineering, isn't it? Yes, definitely, man. It's it's one of those, you know, especially like uh, speaking about the hardware. It's it's something that is not going to fail on you. That's kind of what we've what we've been known for almost our entire existence is to be something that's just reliable and consistent, and you know, easy to easy to replicate. Fancy having to manufacture instruments that's a hit with sticks mm-hmm. repeatedly. Yeah. You know, it's an it's, it's an exercise in engineering, isn't mm-hmm. it? Just to make them last. Yeah, absolutely. He's, look at him, he's so happy. Very happy, and, and uh, we've gone for the, the, the chrome, mirror chrome look to, re, to, yeah. to um, you know, go with the reflective look of the Sigma album. Uh, of course, and there's a lot of silver in tech, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. When, when the album was, was uh, conceived in, in my imagination, uh, um, I, I wanted the... I felt it was a little bit more reflective than other alarm records. So I, I thought, well, let's have a colour that is reflective and silver was the, was the look. And, and that's how it, we carried that through into the stage. And it's subliminal. Yeah. Uh, but, but for audience members, they, they, they can almost see themselves in, in the reflection of, of the silver look that we, we're carrying on the stage and through the artwork of the album cover. So uh, Anyone would think that you thought about what you were doing. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's all part of a master plan. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it, does, it does. That's how you, you really work creatively. You, you, you just sort of make everything part of the message. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the medium. It reinforces yeah, the it, idea it, then, doesn't it? It really does, and. Yeah. And, and you, you, you know, when you finish the record, when, when you, before you've set it free into the public domain, and then that's when you have to let go of your child and, and let him fend for itself. Yeah, yeah. But uh, up to then, you can actually still listen to it as a complete piece of work. Uh, and I don't know why that is, but it, I, I can once uh, I've set the album into the public domain, and I almost can't listen to them again because you've got to move on. Then it's yeah, time yeah, to go. Yeah. But until the record is out, you can still affect it in some way, even if it's down. Even though you maybe can't go in and transform the music anymore because it's committed to tape, it's mastered, it's in the production. You can still work on the artwork. You can still work on the pre- presentation live and to and f- reinforce some of the themes that are coming through in the music that you only you can only really hear when you finished it really I think in a way you're actually changing how people listen to your songs then because whilst they're listening to it they're looking at the record sleeve they're looking at what you're wearing aren't they that's they're, right yeah it's building a it, 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 an environment just, it, it is yeah I think so and, and, and I think now as well with everything going out on social media and, and, and your output is vast the horizon is vast and your representation is vast and so i think you have to think beyond just oh this is a great song it it, it does go right through to the shoes you're wearing the color of the drum kit that's going to be on stage and the amps you've always been like that i've known you 41 years (laughs) and i remember 
in like 78, 79, you would come in not just with a song, but guys, these new jackets we're all going to wear. Yeah, or uh, yeah. these shirts, yeah, I've, just, I've stitched these shirts with Joe, who you used to that's design right, clothes yeah, with yeah. years right, and years yeah. and years ago. You've always done that. It's not just music, is it? Not, no, no, not really, because I think you communicate with all, all your being. And, and it's, it's uh, even uh, when we play live, I, I feel uh, the stages need to be a certain height because the way you convey your music and the way you stand when you're performing it is yeah. that, that shows the conviction. If someone can only see your head, they're only getting part of the emotion that you're putting out on the stage. You know, when you play that guitar chord, you can't just stand there with your legs closed. Some t- chords demand a, a jump off the drum riser oh, and, yes. to really get that message across that this means something to you and, and, and means something to the audience. So it, 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 it's a never-ending flow of, of, um, of creative thought. It never stops. And then, you know, we're, we're, on, we're flowing down the river now, heading for the next one. So yeah. who knows where the future's going to take us? Well, the, the flow has actually happened behind us while we were talking. They've opened up the, uh, you probably heard the loading bay doors being opened. And uh, Smiley is very happily carrying. I think it's the floor Tom he's got there. I want to know what the kit is, but... Uh, I won't ask him while he's carrying things around. I'll ask him when it's set up and he's tuning it. It's I'll a do Pearl that. Reference Series drum kit, and it's a thing of beauty. It sounds amazing, and, and I've got a matching kick drum for upstage, downstage. Oh, of course yeah. you have. Yeah. Me too, so, uh, yeah. 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 So it all flows through and uh, from front to back, and that, that's what I like about the way we play now. Um, Smiley can transfer the drums to me at the front, you know, I can keep the kick drum and keep things moving while he transitions to something on his drum kit, yeah. and then he can take it back, you know, and that, that, there's a lot of that going on. Sometimes people don't see that when we're on stage because that's very subtle from one foot to the other is, is the kick drum transference, yeah. uh, but it, create, it makes a real dynamic. Sometimes you use it to bring Smiley to the front and then he can take over at the front while I run around and do something else and uh, it's just opened up another world of possibilities and we're really grateful for the support of Pearl Drums for allowing us to have this amount of drums on our stage. Talking about the world of possibilities, I'm just looking at your youngest son, Evan's face here. I'm going to word with Ev. Ev! Excuse me, I spoke Welsh to you, Evan. I just realised that the people listening to this probably don't understand Welsh. (laughs) Um, You're a drummer you're a very good drummer. I know that because I've played with you, right? Yeah. You've got your own kit at home or do you borrow old alarm I've, stuff? I've got my own kit at home. And is it a pearl kit? Yeah, it's a pearl. What White t- sparkle. Cool. Cool. And if you could pick any kit from here, what size kick drum, floor tom, cymbals, hi-hat, what would you have? Uh, I'm not sure. Not sure. Are you a one-ton man or a two-ton man or like a whole rack of toms? One-ton. Cool. Minimalist. Yeah. Respect. Who's your favourite drummer, Ev? Keith Moon. Good choice. Very good choice. Yeah. He plays over the vocals. You know, Rosie Dolce used to always complain that Keith Moon never played fills where, you know, the singer sings and at the end of the line you get a drum fill. He played over the lyrics the whole time. That's what you're going to do. Are you going to be the next alarm drummer when Smiley's old and dead? Yeah. Good. How long How long was that going to be? Two, three years before we kill him off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. It's a good thing that podcasts aren't necessarily heat sensitive. 
otherwise right now you guys would be as hot as I am. Uh, we've arrived at the venue, the Mercy Lounge, we have the new Pearl Kit, we have the, the new base amp that we collected en route, and Mike's smiling because Mike's just had a gift from uh, Hona, who have turned up with, uh, uh, well, Derek, tell me, what have you turned up with for Mike? What have you brought? So, uh, as part of Hone, we're also part of KHS America. We have 20 different brands. I also brought a bunch of Hercules stands, which are lifetime warranty stands in the U.S., um, and they're available all throughout the world, but they're the best stands on the market. Uh, these are guitar stands we're talking about. Guitar yeah. stands, yeah. we make mic stands, we make everything. Right, yeah, well, we're, we're going to need a, a few guitar stands. We are definitely yeah, going to need some guitar things, stands. Things tend to get, you know, moved around quite a lot and stood <laughs> and swapped and changed, so we're going to need those. Uh, tell me about the harps that you brought. What have you brought? So we brought some special 20s, you know, one of the, the most classic harmonicas. It's the best-selling harmonica that Honer does. Uh, still handmade in Germany, um, just like it always was. And you brought how many in what keys? Oh, gosh. Oh, we, we got brought a bunch. All the various, got, all the various uh, keys. B flat, D, G, A, E. See, we got we got about everything, and then we also brought the Rocket Lows, which is one of our newer ones. What's yeah. the difference between the two? Uh, the Rocket is well, this is a low tune, so it's an octave down than a normal harmonica. But also, the Rockets have curved edges, so a little bit more comfortable to hold, and then the holes are a little bit bigger. Um, so they're easier to play and they're really loud. And I can vouch for that, they are easy to play. Thank yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and what do you look for in a harmonica, Mike? You know, you've been playing a long time. Uh, I remember you used to use Huang harmonicas that went out of tune very quickly about 30 years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I, yeah. To be honest, uh, when we first started playing harmonica, I didn't really know anything about them. And, and the first time the alarm used a harmonica was on our first single in 1981, and it was an ideal. We, we played acoustic guitars, and, and we were going to the recording studio in Manchester to make the acoustic side, which is up for murder. We thought, oh, we'll put some harmonica on it. But So we just went to a shop, and we bought a Hona harmonica. Luckily, we bought the right one for the song, because <laughs> we just had to blow a few notes in it. It sounded great. And, uh, and that, that's always was my approach, just find the right harmonica for the right song, and then the riffs come, and, and I've, I've taught myself to play that way, but I never really had any connection with a, with a firm, really, uh, other than buying them in the stores, and, and uh, we just went for what, what was available, and it was only through meeting the, the, the Hona guys that I've really had a professional association with a, a great harmonica-making company, and, and they've been able to do things for me, like get the low... Uh, rocket lows because I use them on quite a lot of songs on Spirit 76 or some of the more recent songs like Two Rivers where there's a little bit of harmonica on the, the recording um, it's the low F's that sort of work with the tunings with the guitars we use and then there's this also the traditional special 20s and what I like about these is they're really robust because I'm not your normal musician who just plays in a band on stage. I'm a, go to I play up in the mountains through our charity Love Hope Strength, so they, they have to go with me a long way and, and work at altitude as well as in the atmosphere of a rock and roll show. And, and so the hone is a super robust. And what I like about being a harmonica player it, as, a, as an acoustic guitarist is, is that that gives you a third dimension. It's not just the voice and the guitar. You've got the, the harmonica to add some colour to the sound, and, and it's a very recognisable sound throughout the world as well. It makes a big connection with audiences whenever you blow into it. People seem to cheer when you bring your harmonica out. It's like, let's get out more often. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, give me some harmonica maintenance tips. You know, how do you keep it in tune? How do you keep it playing, sounding right? How do you stop it from jamming? Well, you know, the old legend was that the old blues guys would soak them in whiskey and bourbon. 
which we don't recommend. Uh, but that was with like the wood combs because like the marine band, which has been made since uh, 1896, um, wood combs will swell. So that's why the Special 20 is great because it's a plastic comb. Um, but for maintenance... So the comb is the resonating strip that, that it's, it's oscillates when you blow across it. It's the middle it. section that you actually blow into. Yeah. And then the resonating part are the reeds. And, the reeds, yeah, okay. And the ah. reeds are um, they're nickel. So... And there, there's several different kinds of reeds out there, but um, that's the most common for us. Um, but for cleaning it, you know, wash it out with some warm water when you're done playing it. Air it out, kind of shake it around a little bit. Um, you know, and if you do have a reed that breaks, that's the great thing about them is that they're still affordable instruments. They're, and they're readily available just about anywhere. And truly portable. Do you play a semi-tone down now or a tone down? No, uh, on, on uh, the way we play now, we, uh, since we play, started integrating with orchestras a few years ago, we, we took the, the guitars down an extra step. So I technically tune my normal six-string guitar to D, but we often play with the bass guitar in a normal tuning in, in, in E because it creates a different intonation between the, 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 the patterns that you're playing and it makes it quite interesting so um, and, and then we also use a baritone guitar which again is tuned to standard B tuning and then we use different variations to create different harmonic effects really, they're very subtle and, and maybe something that the normal listener might not pick up that the bass is playing a bottom E but I'm playing a D on the guitar or, or a, um, an F sharp, you know, so it's it's quite interesting how it creates these different shapes. So we're not just all playing on the fifth fret when there's an A going down. It's somewhat it's some somebody somewhere else on the fretboard, and it creates a different intonation in, in the instruments. But you need a harp in every key, basically, for whatever song, whatever you're yeah, doing. Yeah, 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 I mean, you can, you, um, I'd just play the traditional chromatic sort of harmonicas with, the, where I get the right one for the, you know, if I'm playing in a, in a, a minor, I'll use a, a C harmonica, uh, and that, that ten, but there's, there's other options of playing a G as well, and it's where you can find that, the right little melody that works with the song that you're playing. So it's a, it's a I always find it, there's a lot of magic in the harmonicas, often the one you go to that you think is going to be the right one for the song isn't and then you pick out another one that, that you think well let me try this one then oh it's a little bit of magic is revealed and so it's, it's a little bit like lucky dip here I can that's why I like a good collection and and obviously I do a lot of shows around the world I'm flying on planes getting on buses and and hiking to venues not not the traditional sense so so they have to be robust and they go in the gig bag and and they really add to the sound in a great way what are the innovations in harmonicas these days Derek I mean new technology secret technology you can share with me you know that's the great thing about the harmonica is that when you try to reinvent it that's when you have problems Uh um We've been doing it the same way right. since you know the 1800s, and that's why Honer is still you know the number one harmonica in the world. Um, you know there there always are developments, and just like with the Rocket, we changed it up a little bit, but still your top ones are the ones they still hand cut and all the same wood, the same way they manufactured it. A lot of the machines in Germany that are making them are the same ones they've been using for a hundred years. Oh really? Yeah. So it's carrying the spirit of Honer from, from the machine tools. It is, and you know, all of the legends that played Honer and played harmonica, they, if they played harmonica and they were legends, they were probably playing Honer anyway. Yeah. But all those harmonicas were made in the same machines. 
And who is your biggest client? Who's the you know the who are the top three names who play Hona Harps? Oh my gosh! I guess it depends on if you want to talk about biggest commercial names or like best harmonica players. Because if you go biggest commercial, you know we just released the Billy Joel signature model, um, which is really cool. But he plays on like two songs. Right. Um, and then you have Steven Tyler, who plays on several songs, and they're doing their Vegas residency with Aerosmith. Um, we even did an Ozzy Osbourne signature uh, <laughs> really? harmonica, yeah. So, but then you have like virtuosos like Howard Levy, who can take a diatonic, like a standard harmonica, and play any note you can imagine. Um, recently, we saw him in concert here in Nashville, and he had an F sharp harmonica, and he played a Bach piece, and he's playing the bass part on the left side of his mouth and the lead part on the right side at the exact same time. What? Yeah. Um, and so you have guys like that. That's um, what I do every night, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have guys like Dennis Grunlin, um, who's an incredible player. And then you've got guys like Yvonne Green, who's originally from France but lives in New York now, and he's a chromatic player. And playing jazz chromatic harmonica you know with the slide so they're sitting there hitting the slide and doing all kinds of crazy runs and notes that I could never think of doing oh, it's great you know we saw Neil Young at Hyde Park yeah. uh, and Bob Dylan uh, last weekend yeah. we were both there and, and they both played harmonica yeah. and uh, I've got a signed uh, Hona Bob Dylan yeah, signature yeah we did, and we did a Bob Dylan signature harp as well yeah. of course you did those are the ones that are like if you get the, the set it's like $80,000 now really? I think but I, I, my favourite moment the whole weekend was when Neil Young played Heart of Gold and he, launched, and he played the harmonica part on that and it was so evocative of, of, of the era that that piece of music came from and it, and it was the harmonica is that signature sound I think that's that's what people relate with the alarm it's the one thing we we do a lot of that, that, that sets us apart you know right from the very first instant we stepped in America in 1983 when we came here together with you 2 on the yeah. water it was that sound of the harmonica on the stand that, that really made that first connection with American yeah. audiences for you the know, no punk band ever played harmonica but the alarm reinvented something they made punk acoustic and brought harmonicas, yes, and I think that it, was true, yeah. that was an extraordinary thing. Um, my favourite phrase from you on the harp is uh, the deceiver. Yeah, well, that's a great. Piece, Have yeah. you got the right one here to play the deceiver? Would you play that opening will, yeah. plaintive piece for me? <laughs> also, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek, yeah, lovely to meet you. Thank you for talking to us on Thank the Entourage so podcast, and uh, we'll finish. Well, I think I with in record time. Yeah, here we go. I was about to say that. It didn't even need warming up, and it was pitch perfect. It's spot on in tune as well. It's amazing. And that's, that's why we pro- play hard. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, harmonicas. Are you going to say that, guys? Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, guys. Yeah, let me tell you, harmonicas uh, can be very difficult to manage as a roadie. You got to make sure Mike's got the right one with the right key written on it and a bit of gaffer tape on the side, and that nobody sits on it, puts it in their pocket, and sits down, stands on it because then it stops being a harmonic and becomes a cob stopper. We've talked drums, we've talked harmonicas, but surely the single most important instrument in the alarm's uh, 
what do you call a collection of weapons? A armory. Armory. Yeah. Is uh, the extraordinary guitar that Mike plays these days, which is built by Doug Sparks' company, Auden Guitars, to a very difficult brief. It looks like an acoustic guitar, but it's not really an acoustic guitar, is it, Doug? Well, it is an acoustic guitar, but it's more than an acoustic guitar because it's an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar all within the one body. How do you do that? So what we do is we take a, a mini humbucker, so an electric, an electric guitar pickup, and we mount that into the bracing in the top of the acoustic guitar, and then we wire it all together like a plate of spaghetti inside with two outputs, so Mike can either have a pure acoustic sound coming out or a pure electric sound coming out or a combination of the both. And what that enables him to do is make a huge, great big load of noise all together at the same time. Yeah, it's this one-man band ethic of Mike's, isn't it? Absolutely, and when he gets the bass drum going as well, yeah. it really is a, a one-man band situation. You've got the guitar with us here. It's a substantial weight. You know, you expect an acoustic guitar to be much lighter, but you pick it up and you go, wow, that's almost as heavy as a Telecaster or something. Yeah, I guess there's, I mean, as well as having all the extra electronics in it and uh, the reinforced top to mount the humbucker in, we've also got Mike's artwork all over it, which adds a layer of extra weight as well. So there's an extra layer of paint, there's, then there's vinyls on top of that, and then it's all lacquered in. So it all adds to the weight, but it all holds the guitar together because, you know, Mike's maybe not the gentlest guitar player in the world. We so. called him the Little Hands of Concrete. <laughs> yeah, that's, about that's our right. nickname for him. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, so when did the relationship? begin and how, how did it start who approached who okay so i i was an alarm fan from sort of the early 80s onwards and when i started ordering guitars i sort of thought right who should i contact first who could i talk to first so i rang mike and um, met him up at his house in uh, north wales just to talk about the idea of guitars and to see if he would be interested and we sort of sat at his kitchen table and he drew this diagram of what he wanted a guitar to do and I was kind of thinking, Mike, I've been in this game for five minutes, not 50 years. <laughs> you know, you're asking me to produce something really sort of technically involved, um, you know, right from the off. So, but we sort of thought, well, we'll take it away. We'll have a look, look at it and we'll see what we can do. So we went back to the workshop and Rob Bowman, who was the head luthier at Auden, um, we sort of sat together and planned out how we could make this guitar work. And we got an old guitar that we'd had sort of knocking around, an old sample uh, Auden guitar. And um, we mocked up a wiring diagram and we were literally stuck it inside with sellotape and all the, you know, really sort of Heath Robinson put it together. And I said, well, look, I'll take it up to Mike and see if functionally, if it does what he wants it to do. And if it does, then we can talk about turning it into a guitar. So I took it up to Mike. He tried it. He, he sort of said, I'll keep hold of it for 24 hours. I said, look, Mike, don't play it anywhere because it will fall apart. It's stuck together with tape. It's not, it's not ready to gig. It's just to try the concept. So the next day I got a phone call from Mike saying, Doug, Doug, I love it, I love it. We're going to take it on tour, but are you okay if we make a couple of little adjustments to it? So I thought, yeah, okay, let me come up and see and let's see what we're going to do. And I got up there, and the first little adjustment that he was doing was it was hanging out in his garden and it was being sprayed with a can of black car paint. He loves getting it, the spray can yeah, to put it into black rather than it was a lovely maple. Uh, oh, back man. <laughs> so he sprayed it all over black. Um, and uh, But then he took it out and he, he did the first gig on... Uh, the sort of the, the Deceiver tour in sort of nine in sort of 2014 I think it was um, he took it out did the first gig and while he was doing the first gig we were busy in the workshop and in 48 hours we made him a proper one um, and that's the guitar that's still the Deceiver that he uses on stage now um, and there's been a number of different variations of it between then and now and the latest one is a Sigma which is the one we've got here with us now so uh, over the last five years of supplying guitars uh, for the alarm how has Mike's version 
evolved? Is it in the electronics or is it the build, the neck? What? Yeah, we've got it more sort of streamlined to do just exactly what he wanted to do. So in the, at the beginning, we had two humbuckers instead of one, but Mike sort of after after the first tour said, look, I'm never going to use that neck humbucker. Let's take it out. So we lost the neck humbucker. Um, we've gone from four controls on the front to just one switch and one uh, volume control. And the way Mike uses it now is that the acoustic guitar is permanently on and he uses a volume control just to wind in the electric guitar when he wants it and then wind it out again when he wants to go back or he can mix the two to get a you know a sort of combination of the two sounds it really is a bespoke instrument isn't oh absolutely it? there's nothing else like it out there and do people come to you now asking for a, a Mike Peters guitar? Yeah, well, at the gathering um, in Landudno in February, we launched the opportunity for Alarm fans to buy a Mike Peters Deceiver guitar. Um, they're just coming off the end of production now, and they're going to be uh, handed over to their new owners at a handover event at the workshop where Mike's coming down. He's going to play them all and hand them out to the people that have bought them and put any messages on them that he wants. Um, and uh, we're going to be making that guitar also available throughout the US tour that starts tonight. How much do you pay for this in the UK then? If you wanted to buy one, what would it cost? Well, this comes uh, at twelve nine nine, and for that you get the guitar. You also get a bespoke Black Star Fly, which is a mini electric guitar um, amp, which is branded up with the alarm as well. So that's absolutely unique. You can't get them anywhere else. Wow. Um, and, and you also get the invitation to come along to the handover event uh, where you can sort of spend some time with Mike and Mike will play whatever song you want on your guitar. That's more than a guitar they're buying, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. fantastic but Mike always wants to give brilliant value doesn't he yeah he does that's very true yeah. and I think you guys are trying to do the same as well yeah. um, I remember the very first day when Dave Sharp hacked up an old acoustic guitar and stuck a humbucker in it and said this is what we're going to play yeah. and over the years we struggled to try and make that guitar work or variations of that guitar that was both an electric and an acoustic guitar in one it's an almost impossible task and I'm astonished that after all these years you've managed to do it and repeat it and it this this does it doesn't it yeah but it's great to have projects like that to work on it's great to have someone like Mike who's so enthusiastic and so uh, you know willing to push the boundaries and try new things and, and was willing to work with us and take a chance with us uh, to give us the opportunity of building the guitar for him Doug, can I ask what are you doing here in Nashville? Have you are you delivering a guitar for Mike? No, I'm in Nashville for an incredible coincidence because as well as being the first night of the Alarms Tour tonight, it's also the night before the NAM Festival, which is a North American music festival start. So for the next four days, I'll be on a booth selling Auden and Gordon Smith guitars to the guitar buying world. Well, good luck. It's great to see British technology sold throughout the world. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you, Doug. clambered onto the stage because Smiley has almost completely set his entire new kit up. How's it going, Smiles? Um, excited beyond belief here, Gareth. <laughs> Listen to this, man. <laughs> so shiny, so gorgeous. It's a shame to play them, isn't it? No, it's lovely to play them. <laughs> they look so beautiful. It's a shame to hit them. They're a, uh, they're a piece of art, my friend, a piece of art. So what have you done? Have you changed the skins or anything? Yeah, what? All of the brand new Aquarian heads that they sent out for us. So a big thank you to everybody at Aquarian and everybody at Pearl, everybody at Zildjian, and everybody at Vicford and everybody at Protection Racket. Because we couldn't do it without you. Thank you, gents. How close are we to uh, hearing you actually play these? Minutes uh, or...? <laughs> yep. We can walk this way. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Smiley's happy. The sound check. 
takes place as we prepare for the first gig of the Alarm Sigma Tour in the Mercy Lounge in Tennessee. And in the next episode of Entourage, we'll probably tell you how that went. See ya.